You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. I'm Addie McCasland. Today, we're talking with Colin Walkie, Oklahoma House Representative, District 87, and local attorney. Colin is a native Oklahoman and attended Oklahoma State University before graduating magna cum laude at Oklahoma City University School of Law. A true public servant, he was a longtime volunteer with City Rescue Mission before both serving and chairing their board of directors. Additionally, Colin serves on the Oklahoma Autism Center Foundation, as well as the Oklahoma City Philharmonic Associate Board. Colin is a 20 plus year meditation practitioner who was inspired by his own positive experience to study further and begin teaching. In 2019, he and recent mental health download guest, Shannon Stevens, co-founded Awake OKC, a nonprofit centered on bringing mindfulness and meditation to the community. We are excited to have Colin on today and have him lead us through a meditation centered on compassion and forgiveness. The mental health download starts now. Why don't you tell the listeners who you are? Yeah. So my name is Colin Walkie, and I'm an attorney by trade, but for the last six years, I've also served as the state representative for House District 87 here in Oklahoma City. And then I've also been a 20-year meditation and mindfulness practitioner. And in 2018, one of your prior guests, Shannon Stevens and myself, co-founded Awake OKC, which historically had been a really great opportunity for the community. We had classes five days a week and worked with organizations but post-pandemic, the daily meditation classes have gone away, but we're still working with organizations and, and feeding into the future. So that's kind of a short summary of who I am. Most people probably know me actually through my wife, the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. And in any event, I, I'm better known through her in any event. <laughs> right. So 20 years, can you tell us what got you started in meditation? Yeah, in- so... Yeah, so I grew up in Oklahoma, right? And uh, Buddhism isn't exact or mindfulness in general, especially back then. And this would have been 2001 or so. It wasn't exactly well known. And I was, uh, I am a nerd and I love to read. And I was at a Barnes and Noble and I came across a book called the Dhammapada. And it was the first book that I had ever opened and read where they were talking about your, the way we're taught to be healthy in America is to eat right and exercise, but no one tells you what to do about your mind or quite frankly, even what your mind is. Mm -hmm. So I found it to be a completely fascinating intro into something that I had never been exposed to before. And so I was a philosophy major in college and studied a lot of Buddhist philosophy and those sorts of things. And I'll be frank, while I tried to meditate, like most first timers, it didn't take. And back then it was in the pre-YouTube, pre-podcast days. So you didn't, you'd have to try and learn how to meditate from reading a book. Mm -hmm. And I thought that my mind was broken after about 10 years of doing this with no results. And as an attorney and litigator, after about three years, my wife said, look, you're going to go see a counselor or we're going to have a longer conversation about your temper. (laughs) That led me to find, by then, the the internet had become what it is today, and I was able to find my teacher, Bhante Paratna, who is a monk in the Theravadan tradition. He's been a monk since he was 11, and he's from Sri Lanka, and so for the last decade, I've studied underneath him. Yeah, that's fantastic. As you started studying and practicing more, what led you to teaching? Yeah, part of it is just the dearth of teachers that we have here locally. One of the reasons why I believe that teachers are so important in mindfulness and meditation 
is because it takes someone showing you what to do in order to get it done, which is why reading a book, at least for most people, I think doesn't work. You need somebody there that can actually coach you. And in fact, in the Tibetan tradition, the very first teaching that you go through is the pointing out instruction. And what that means is pointing out what your mind is versus the objects that are within your mind. And so I felt that it was really important that people who wanted to get into this didn't feel defeated after trying 27 times and feeling like they went nowhere. I wanted to be able to say, no, you are going somewhere. You just need to shift your perspective a little bit. So the lack of access to good qualified teachers, not that I consider myself good or qualified, but I had at least more experience than most of the people that I knew. And so I thought that that was really important. And then also just the need. I think that everyone's always needed this, but in today's hectic social media inundated world, I think we need to learn how to take a break and put some space between what's happening out there and what's happening on our internal lives. And so I wanted to spread that message with other people so that they too can learn the peace that comes from mindfulness and meditation. Right. I love that. So when I first started practicing meditation, I did it because I had gone through yoga teacher training to teach yoga and I hated meditation, the sitting still aspect, of course. And then the fact that I thought that I was doing it wrong. So I traveled around, like traveled out of Oklahoma, going to various workshops because I'm like, I will figure this out, you know, in a very (laughs) stubborn way, which you know, it's probably not the best approach, but it is, it was ultimately an approach that worked for me. It is also an approach that I would love for other people not to have to endure. So That's right. when somebody comes to you and they say, they say something along the lines of, I don't think I could be a meditator or I've tried and it didn't work for me. What would you say to that person? I would say that there's probably a misunderstanding of what you think success means in mindfulness and meditation. And the reason I say that is, is because if I ask anybody on the street, how many senses do you have? Everybody's going to tell me there's five, sight, smell, taste, touch, and sound. There's really six. And that's your mind. Mm -hmm. Because what is a sense? It's something that perceives an object, right? So if I have a cold finger and I touch my arm, I'm going to feel cold. If I have a warm finger and I touch my arm, I feel warm. Same sense, different content. Same thing with your mind. I may be sitting here one moment thinking about an ice cream cone and in the next thinking about a car. Mm -hmm. Same sense, different objects. So that's the first thing I would say is is we have to reframe what your mind is. The second thing that I would say is is that most people think the goal is to not have thoughts. Mm -hmm. The goal is to be with thoughts. And this whole not having thoughts is actually the contrary goal because the literal word in Pali for mindfulness is sati, S-A-T-I. And what that literally means is to remember So every time that you get lost in thought about what you're doing tomorrow, instead of meditating on your breath, and you realize that, that's a win. That's like doing a bicep curl in in the gym. You just made your brain stronger. You went, oh, I'm lost in thought. And you came back to the breath. And the more reps you build up, the bigger your muscles get, the bigger your mind gets. And that, that is the process. And it takes longer for some people and less time for others. But once you get a, get a hang of it, you can take the training wheels off of the bicycle and really practice mindfulness throughout the entire day, not just when you're sitting on the meditation mat. Because I think that's the other thing that people mistake is that the goal of meditation is whatever you're doing on the cushion. When the goal of meditation is what you do off of the cushion. Right. And so that's what I would say to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. The, the, the idea that 
you're trying to clear your mind and not have thoughts. Just it's it's flawed inherently because we are humans and humans have thoughts. It's right. The Dalai Lama has thoughts all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that bit about the cushion it reminds me of a book that I read. Dan Harris, the former Good Morning America anchor, the 10% happier. And he talks about his dive into meditation after an anxiety and also cocaine-induced meltdown on TV. And he wanted to really dive into it. And he he he's like, I meditate for up to two hours a day. I, I'll do it sitting at a red light or I'll do it, you know, and he'll do a formal sit down practice too. But he's, he's like, I just sprinkle it out. And he says, he's a better person for it. Well, should we give it a shot? Sure. Yeah. So whenever you're ready, just let us know your theme and then we can get started. So I thought about just doing a basic mindfulness exercise, but, but to the point that you just made Addy about, we all have thoughts. I want to give a more active approach to meditation in the mind in this way. And I'd like to do what's called a self-forgiveness meditation. And the goal of this meditation is to recognize your own flaws, mm -hmm. which can be a very difficult thing for many of us to do, to admit when we were wrong, or at least to reflect upon our behavior. And the reason why I think this is important is because once we see that we too are flawed, it makes us easier to forgive other people. Right. And so that's kind of the step. And I do this a little bit differently. I do it where you're going to be asking for forgiveness and then you're going to be giving forgiveness to somebody else in this, in this mindfulness. So anyone that's following along, don't pick somebody hard. Don't pick a really, you're not diving into the deep end. Let's say in the shallow waters, just pick a, an easy conflict you had with somebody. All right. I love it. Do we need any props or anything? No props. Just sit down. You know, you don't have to sit on the floor. I always meditate in a chair. So don't be uncomfortable. Just sit comfortably in a chair. If you do feel comfortable, close your eyes. If you don't, then just look in front of you, not staring at anything in particular with a soft gaze. And the first thing that we always do in meditation is we sit and know that we're sitting. So first, notice the sensations in your feet. Don't think about the sensations as in snug or firm, but literally just feel your feet, the way your shoes hug your foot. Notice the flatness against the floor and slowly work your way up your legs, noticing the calves. Maybe you can feel the socks against it or the cloth or temperature going up your shins to your knees, to your thighs, your hamstrings. Notice your weight of your body against the cushion. Notice your back straight but not stiff. Notice your belly, and in your belly, relax it. Notice that you're probably holding it in. We want to breathe in and out through our belly. Typically, we do it through our chest, but we want soft bellies. Now, notice your chest, again, the rising and falling ever so subtly as you breathe. Now, notice your head. Some of you may have forgotten you had a head. Notice the back of the head, the top around the eyes, letting go of any tension in those areas. And then finally, notice your arms, beginning with your right shoulder, right bicep, right tricep, right forearm, and down each individual finger of the right arm. Now do the same thing with your left shoulder, left bicep, left tricep, left forearm, and each indiv individual finger of the left hand. And now what I want you to do is just turn your attention to the breath for a moment. Notice how it's cooler when you breathe in and 
Notice you don't have to do anything to experience that coolness. It just appears. It's the observer that we're trying to get in contact with. And now having a calming breath and a calming moment, I want you to call to mind a situation in which you did something that you knew was wrong and that you need forgiveness for. Imagine where you were in as much detail as possible, who you were with, the color of their hair, their clothes they were wearing, the clothes you were wearing. And the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to imagine that situation and ask yourself a simple question. How did you get to this point? What choice or choices did you make that led you to this position. Now what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself why you took that position. At the time, did you feel justified in doing it? Was there pride involved? You simply didn't want to be wrong. What was it that made you go down that path? And now I want you to imagine asking this person for forgiveness, and maybe you've already done that, and imagine what it would feel like to ask for forgiveness. Would you be hesitant to do so because you would admit that you're wrong? Would you feel relieved for having restored a relationship? How would you feel asking for forgiveness? And now what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a situation in which somebody had done wrong to you. I'll give you a moment to think of that. And again, it can be something small. Somebody cut you off. Someone said something rude to you. Coworker didn't do their job right. Now imagine this scenario in as much detail as possible, what you were wearing, what they were wearing, where you were at. And I want you to ask yourself first how you felt dealing with this person who had wronged you. Again, just like as before, do you feel justified, righteous, prideful? Do you have any sense of compassion towards this person or their mistake? After all, you just made a mistake that you sought forgiveness for. And now I want you to imagine this person asking for forgiveness. How does that make you feel? Do you feel compassion? Do you feel proven correct? It doesn't matter how you feel, just notice what you're feeling. You may even be having thoughts like, I don't want to forgive this person. Just notice them. What is it that's holding you back today? from asking for forgiveness or granting forgiveness? Is there something you can do to rectify those feelings? Because none of us are perfect. And now simply return to the breath for a moment. You may still have thoughts churning, that's fine. But keep turning your attention to the coolness of the breath. May you be well, happy, successful, and peaceful slowly open your eyes. Thank you so much. Thank is you there, for having me. Yeah, is there anything else you'd like to share? 
No, other than anybody who is interested in, in learning more about this, there's great resources all throughout the city now, my teacher, me, whomever. If you're interested in mindfulness, please reach out to somebody that can help you through the process. And I simply say that because it really is beneficial. It's changed my life for the better, as well as umpteen thousands and millions of people around the world. So don't give up hope. Keep getting on the bicycle and riding. Just find somebody who can teach you how to use the training wheels. I love that. Then before I let you go, how would they, how would somebody go about finding the resources or reaching out to somebody? Yeah. So you can contact me via email at walkielaw, W-A-L-K-E law at gmail.com. There's also the Oklahoma Buddhist Vihara, which is a Theravadan tradition. And that's off of 50th in Portland. That's where my teacher is at. There's also a Zen temple out off of Anderson Road, I believe in I-40 out east of the city. There's a couple of other local temples that are Thai temples. There's one that's Japanese, that's Risho Koshikai. I haven't been to any of those areas. They're not my flavor of tea, if you will. Right. But then obviously, I think that there's a lot of great other practitioners within the yoga community. Shannon Stevens, for example, Lori Dash does a lot of this as well. So, you know, go on Facebook and look up Lori Dash. I'm sure she'd be more than happy to speak with whomever. So those would be the resources locally that I'd, I'd refer people to. Yeah. And one last thing that, because you said it's not my cup of tea, that's important to note too, is that if somebody is looking for a meditation teacher or a meditation style, and it's not working for them to keep trying because there, there will be something out there for you. That's absolutely correct. I mean, so for example, even different types of meditation, for example, I don't do a lot of loving kindness meditation. I probably should, but my teacher does a ton of it, right? So we all have these things that we find that we like, but there's a great book for anybody that's interested called Into the Magic Shop by a guy named Dr. James Doty, who is a neurosurgeon in California. And it tells a story about how when he was 12 years old, he went into a magic shop and the manager took him, took him under her wing and taught him how to meditate, but he couldn't meditate on his breath because he had had such a traumatic childhood that that actually reintroduced trauma. And so she taught him how to meditate by looking at a flame. And so, you know, you don't have to use the breath. There's all sorts of tools out there because all mindfulness is, is knowing what you're doing while you're doing it. So we've just got to figure out a way to figure out what works for you to, to realize that. Perfect. Thank you so much, Colin. Thank you much, Addie. And thank you for listening to the Mental Health Download. I'm Addie McCaslin with Mental Health Association of Oklahoma.